Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, some highlights from our big live broadcast at Portage in Maine today, Decision 29, Your Voice Matters, including something a bit different, election predictions from an astrologer and psychic. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. So I thought we'd have a little fun here, Uh, Decision 2019, Your Voice Matters. I uh, chatted last night after the show with Bernice Bisson. She is an astrologist and psychic, and I asked her about the election. Thank you for doing this. So the pollsters say we're going to have another Tory government in the province of Manitoba when we wake up on September 11th after the election on the 10th. What do you say? What are the? How do you do this, first of all? Well, when I look at people's birthdays, uh, I usually make predictions from there. I look at where they're sort of standing in their astrology. And, and Pallister uh, is actually a Cancerian. And... Uh, I do think that uh, that he is going to win, and and uh, mainly because um, people in Manitoba are kind of tired of chaos, and they're wanting to keep things kind of the same, or they're they're wanting to keep it uh, from from exploding too big. Because everywhere around us, we see the chaos, and so part of Pallister's charm uh, as the Cancerian is that he likes to keep things the same, right? Whereas you have Wab Canoe, who is a Capricorn, very much Justin Trudeau, only their, days, their, their birthdays are, are literally 10 years and a few days apart. They're both Capricorns. Canada is a Cancerian country, uh, and we're in the Tropic of Cancer, and so Capricorns oppose, oppose it. And so Wab Canoe will find, although he's coming with wanting to, to flip the tables up and make a bunch of change, I don't know that people have that appetite right at the moment. Some do in Winnipeg very much because Winnipeg is a city, the Scorpio city. They tend to vote and will tend to vote more towards Canoe, who's the Capricorn. Interesting, and we see that uh, in the polls. The NDP does much better inside the perimeter than outside the perimeter. So that's interesting. Well, and you know, even even more so, if we even looked at, say, the city of Brandon, they're a Gemini city, right? And so that's where you're going to find a lot of support possibly for Pallister because they tend to support Cancerians, not Earth signs. Then we've got Dougal Lamont, who is, you know, we just kind of come out of nowhere, this guy. And, you know, ironically, you're going to see a lot of people, even though they may not think federally, who actually like Lamont because he's going to come in with financial plans and policies opposite of Pallister, whereas Wab Canoe is a Capricorn. They tend to go more on just the personal attack, okay? So he's not like uh, they're coming. He's not like he's coming with, with a whole bunch of policies. He's going to be coming more with what Pallister's not doing, whereas Lamont... Uh, He's a Taurus. He's in charge of monetary systems. He's in charge of looking at financial systems, and that's where he's going to come from. 
And what about James Bedham, the Green leader? And I ask about him because recent polling shows the Green Party on the uptrend. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because the Green Party over the next seven years are going to do better than they've done in a while. And, in fact, I think uh, he's going to gain some traction. Uh, I don't see them winning at this moment, but I do see them gaining traction. And, you know, ironically, it will be at the NDP's expense. And what I found was real correlations between, for instance, in the NDP, we've got the federal leader, Yagnit. He is a Capricorn, very much like Wab Canoe here. He's also a Capricorn. And I thought that was really fascinating. And then if I were to go to the conservatives, right, Sheer, he's a Taurus, right? We talked about financial systems. And so, or sorry, Sheer's a Gemini, right on that cusp. And so he's going to come more about um, uh, playing uh, the communication level of things when we look at even Shear coming in. He's going to be at a, at a communications level where if we go back to uh, Justin Trudeau as a Capricorn, he's going to come on the attack. Whereas we're going to go back to people who are Tauruses who wind up coming in more about money. Okay, they're going to mm. come in more about the financial plan. So. We're going to see that, and you're going to be surprised about how many people actually listen to to Google Lamont and how he'll also gain some traction in the poll. Let me ask you one quick question federally, and then I want to go back to the province. Do you see Andrew Scheer and the Tories knocking off Justin Trudeau and the Liberals in the federal vote? No. No. I actually see it being a minority government. A minority liberal government. Liberal government, Hmm. yeah. Interesting. And then we're going to have more conservative in the as premiers. Yeah, and we're certainly seeing that in the provinces yeah. across the country right now. Okay, back to the provincial uh, vote for a second. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a few specific questions now that you've kind of talked about the leaders and, and the parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Green Party, do you see them winning any ridings? Will they win any seats? Because they haven't done that before. Will they get at least a seat or more in this election? Uh, they're hoping for four. Uh, They're actually hoping for four. I actually see uh, one emerging. uh, One will be coming up. All right. Any idea where? Well, it shows me uh, it's actually going to wind up being uh, in the city of Winnipeg, uh, where this riding will come up. Okay, so maybe Wolseley, because they were second in that riding uh, last mm-hmm. time around, so so maybe. What about Dougal Lamont and the Liberals? Uh, I mean, not much of a chance of them winning. Do you see them maybe being the official opposition, or will they continue to be in third no. place? How many seats are they going to win? I would say that they will be uh, around seven at most, and uh, that that they might gain a seat or two, but no, I don't see them being the official opposition. I do think it will be the NDP who will come in as the official opposition. And any number on seats for them? Let me just draw see what I come up with here. <clears throat> I think they're going to have, to be honest with you, a marginal increase by maybe seven. Okay, so I think they have 14 now, so that means they might end up around 21. Yeah. They'll have a marginal increase. I think they're going to come in as the minority. I think the Green might gain one seat. The uh, the Liberals, I'm not sure how many seats they have, but uh, they're they're not going to have more than seven coming in. It's ironic because I actually see that there'll be two really solid candidates. The others are still up for debate. All right, and so if I do the math quickly here, you still think Pallister and the Tories will win, but if all those other numbers add up, their majority is going to shrink. 
Yes. And they're, that they're going to wind up uh, losing a few seats, uh, maybe four of them. This is interesting, uh, Bernice. I got to ask you, any areas of the province, you mentioned the NDP, you think will do well in the city, and we've certainly seen that in the past. Mm-hmm. Any other areas of the province where you think there might be some interesting races to keep an eye on? Well, I think um, around the Paw will be interesting. I think that uh, in the Interlake region will be interesting. Uh, I think those two areas, you're going to see certainly some action there in terms of people fighting for seats. And, you know, ironically, you're going to start to see in the east of Manitoba, uh, they had moved to be a real conservative, uh, and you're going to actually see a a little bit of shake-up there as well. All right, Bernice, this has been fun. Before I let you go, i got to ask you, what do you see for me? Hal Anderson, April 26, 1964. Well, you know what, my little Taurus, I have to say this. You're right at the beginning of Taurus. You are at the beginning of seven years that will reconstruct your money situation and your wellness. Your hips, knees, legs, mobility. This is going to be a seven-year period where you increase your both your financial uh world but your wellness world and that's going to be very key for you i hope so i just had my hip done i'm getting around much better i hope it's a great seven years excellent good for you my friend bernice thank you very much for doing this i really appreciate it hey my pleasure we'll chat again joining us now the Green Party leader here in the province of Manitoba, James Benham. James, uh, James, good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Hal. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for coming. You took the bus. I did. You practice what you preach. Well, certainly. Um, and you know what? I had a chance to uh, you know check up on my phone, send a couple tweets out, be really disappointed at the newest uh, ad coming from our NDP. You know, Greens are looking to elevate politics. Let's get less into name calling. I'm not going to hold any punches when it comes to policy. Um, you know, I, I can. I will, I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, let's let's elevate politics. Let's do politics differently. And if people are looking for that, they're looking for a party that wants to be constructive and actually wants to focus on bold vision and real solutions. Then they need to look at the Green Party management. Here's the problem, though. Attack ads work, right? That, and I'm not saying it makes it right, but that's why attack ads happen is because they work. We, we, we've found that they work. They work at suppressing and turning voters at not coming out. We've got a premier that's calling a summertime election, have people not coming out, running attack ads, and now the NDP are doing the same thing. So they're trying to keep people at home so they can get their same old base going out to vote. And so what I'm asking is the people that aren't maybe that same old base that want to see something different, you need to get out and vote in droves because that's what's going to make the difference. That's what's going to be able to change it, uh, change politics. So I don't actually accept the premise that they work. I think they only work by suppressing the vote and having people only work on their own base. And quite frankly, Greens are looking to pull support from all parties. We're not here to, you know, just because you believe in another party or believe in another belief. I've been saying this to people. Do any of us have, you know, friends or family that we sit down at, at the Christmas, ta- you know, Christmas or holiday table at or that we have to have political discussions with or coworkers that we don't agree with? We all do. But you get along, you find a way forward, you talk about the solutions and you stay solutions focused. And I'm not seeing that from any of the parties out there right now. And that's why, you know, why I got involved in the Greens and why I've done what I've done over the past decade plus. You talked about pulling support from other parties. You appear to be doing that because you've uh, doubled your support, I think, in the latest pro poll to 14 percent. 
Yeah, well, I, we hope we can keep doubling it, and I can't promise that. I don't take anything for granted. We have to earn everyone's vote. So we know we're out there, and I don't take any vote for granted. Hopefully, we're impressing people. But you know what? There's only one poll that really matters on Election Day, and that's the ballot box. So we're hoping to pull off some wins in the ballot box. And then what people are going to see is they're going to see how effective uh, Greens are, like we've seen Elizabeth May and now Paul, Mar- Paul Manley in Parliament. And Elizabeth May is coming to town tomorrow. Just to throw that out there for people. A lot of exciting activities there. But in Prince Edward Island, where they're official opposition. In British Columbia, where they hold the balance of responsibility in terms of holding a minority government to account and making sure that they were able to put a green governance plan um, in, in a governance agreement with the NDP there in BC. So this is the type of working together politics that people want to see. I'm hearing it at the door. People are saying, thank God, you know, a party that's going to acknowledge... You know, sometimes other parties do have some, you know, okay ideas, or sometimes we're on the same page. Let's find commonalities and common ground to move forward. That's you, our real focus. You were just knocking on doors on Jubilee, you were telling me, and, and what are they uh, telling you are the big issues? Um, sure. Well, the big issues are addressing climate change. We're hearing that from people, and people realize that the Greens, you know, are the only party that can credibly address climate change and has been consistent on that. Healthcare is a huge issue. This centralization of healthcare, it's meaning people all over the city and in my riding in Fort Rouge need to drive farther to get health services. Not only is that inconvenient, uh, leads, leads to increased greenhouse gases, but someone's quite frankly, could lose their life in terms of not being able to get as emergent service as we'd like. And we have seen emergency room crises. And, you know, public safety, I'm hearing a lot at the door too. Um, We have a meth crisis in the city and we have a government that wants to ignore it. They want to tell us that we don't have a crisis and that's not the problem. And, you know, we need to think bold on this. We need to think preventative solutions. That's one of the reasons why part of our platform, we released our numbers, is a basic income proposal that would cut poverty rates by 48% and the depth of poverty by one-third. And what I want people to see is the connections to that. What does that mean for public safety? What does that mean for reducing healthcare costs long-term? Because there are studies that show that saves healthcare costs long-term. We want to invest in people. We know there's a cost. We've put out the plans out there so we can be as transparent as we can with the cost. But investing in people, reducing poverty is going to pay off over five or ten years, and it's going to allow long-term savings for the taxpayers. And that's the bold vision, you know, one of the many bold visions, but part of the bold vision that we're trying to put forward to Manitobans to show to them the interconnectedness of all things, how poverty relates to health and crime, how the environment relates to the economy and isn't just a separate issue over there. Do you worry uh, when people hear Green Party, they think, oh, climate, environment. Do you worry that maybe some voters might not take you serious on other big issues like health care and crime and some of the stuff that you just talked about? Sure, and we'd encourage people to go to greenparty.mb.ca and you can read our platform up there. And you can see we've got a number of issues. We're going to have some uh, further announcements, I think, with respect to making accessible child care. With, we've got stuff up there with respect to health care, with public safety. So we have a full platform. It's just recognizing the interconnectedness of everything and starting with a sort of uh, an ecologically sustainable lens of how we're going to build a society. So, you know, I do want to encourage to people that, yeah, we aren't, uh, we aren't, well, the environment isn't one issue, nor are we or have we ever been a one issue party, but go take a look at our platform. We've got, uh, you know, I think we've got more detailed plans other than the other party. We are going to have further announcements with respect to specific costings like we did with our basic income following our platform release. But we put out our vision out there, and we want Manitobans to take a look and tell us what they think. And what we think is if Manitobans take a look, they're going to say, wow, I really agree with this. Here's the party for me. Here's the party I've been looking for all along. And that's what I'm hearing at the door. That's what we're seeing in the polls. And I hope we can just 
steamroll the green wave momentum into uh, some green victories in the legislature, and I think it'll even follow in the federal election after that. Well, I teed this up before the news at one we We're going to talk to uh, an astrologist and psychic. Uh, well, I talked to her last night. We're going to play back the interview, uh, Bernice Bisson, and uh, she may have some good news for you and your and your party. So there's another poll we can look at. Only one poll that matters, but I'll, I'll take I'll take any good news that right. way, and let's hope her predictions come true and yeah. we see Greens elected. Speaking of uh, polls, um, you know, I couldn't help but think uh, you're at 14% in that probe poll. What are the Liberals at? Just ahead of you, right? Yeah, I think 16%. When I saw that, and then I heard Dougal Lamont and the Liberals come out with his environment plan, I thought, gee, I wonder if that's a little... Uh... So I'd actually like to take a couple of moments to talk about that plan. Sure. Because that plan is, uh, you know, it's tough for me to say, but is, is far too optimistic. It's focusing on uh, far too much displacement, sequestration, and carbon capture. So I'll give you a couple quick examples. They claim electric cars just aren't where we need them to be at, yet at the same time, they're talking about very experimental technology where we're going to pull fuel from the sky. Um, we need to get off of fossil fuels, period. We need to focus on reducing emissions here in Manitoba. And I'd love to go through a, a detailed number by number. Their government green lens numbers seem far too large. Their behavioral change from a carbon tax plan, working with the feds, that when ours would be higher and we've modeled the demand management change, it seems to be uh, less than their numbers overall. So there, I think there's a number of problems with respect to their plan. I don't believe it's ultimately credible. We've seen federally that Liberals tend to lack climate uh, change coherence in their policy in terms of claiming a climate emergency one day while also approving a pipeline the same day. So I think there's a lot of problems. Now I should say I want to give them some credit for at least trying to put out a plan because the NDP has one quick page in their platform that just says you know, we'll sell more hydropower. Well, there's, it's a lot more. That's the same arguments the Premier's making. That's the same arguments the NDP government made before when they did nothing on climate change over 17 years. And, and we need more than that. It's 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 not an adequate uh, detailed plank there either. And, of course, the expert panel that this government created is basically saying, well, with the business as usual, we'll just level emissions for now in hopes that five years down the road in the next batch will drastically reduce them. Once again, that's not good enough. We need action now. And so if people want action on climate change, I think the Greens are their only chance. And, uh, you know, with the utmost respect to some of my other colleagues' plans, they're they're not adequate. And uh, we have to be blunt and honest about that. You talked earlier about how many things that we're talking about are connected, and I would agree with you on that. Uh, take a moment to talk about meth and healthcare a little more because those are connected. You're you're of the belief that we need to do some preventative stuff. Am I right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, there's a lot of ways that we can draw a connection. I mean, firstly. Um, you know, we need more needle exchange programs. We need a safe injection site. There's no doubt that the research shows that that would save lives. I'll throw this crazy idea out here on CGOV for you. I'm not saying this is Green Party policy. We've seen the BMO Bank recently closed. It's got a locked, secured facility. That could be a potential location. But instead, when we had Main Street Project trying to do that, we had this government kibosh it, even though earlier drafts of their own reports included a, a safe injection site. And what does that do? That congregates... Uh, yeah, a make, lot the, of the, make the argument for a safe injection yeah, site sure. because that scares people when they hear that. Sure, right? it does. But the reality is in my own neighborhood, I know there's been groups uh, around where I live, around 
Pemina Jubilee near BDI that are picking up needles because we're finding some in our neighborhood, unfortunately. If you have a safe injection site, you tend to bring people together towards that safe injection site. So that helps to contain the needles a little bit more from that public safety perspective. But beyond that, you also have medical staff on standby to deal with emergencies, which is literally going to save lives. Uh, beyond that, you also allow for a better and more meaningful intervention. People, if they get to know people, they get to trust people, we're going to have much more success at dealing with with them and saying, look, you know, this is what you could do with your addiction. Here's the programs that you can have so we can reach out and reach people and we have to meet them where they're at. Uh, and then, of course, beyond that, if you think about just giving out the free safe needles, and which we are doing, but, you know, I think need to do more of. I was at a seminar in my neighborhood and they highlighted that, you know, it's 45 cents a needle and every case of, of hep C, of, of any critical disease is costing us over a lifetime, you know, several hundred thousand so that there's no doubt that it's much cheaper for us to invest in prevention. It's harder to measure and I think that's why we don't see as much of a focus on prevention. Or another thing is a housing first approach to homelessness. Once again, some people who are on the street end up utilizing meth to cope with trying to protect their belongings, not being able to sleep. If we can give them housing first, then we can once again, we have a trust level with them. We can start working with these people and we can start dealing with the root causes that are underlying that addiction, be it trauma that they went through in their life, maybe mental health problems, maybe it's just simple poverty, once again, go back to our basic income proposal. I mean, there's a number of factors that may lead people there. And of course, we help people up. They become contributing members of our society. We grow our tax base. These things pay for themselves. It's a long-term investment in people. And, you know, we know some Manitobans are going to go, what, you're going to do that? But it's, we want people to see, you know, uh, I run a private business myself. You've, you've got to spend money to make money. And in government, it's maybe not exactly the same, but it's you've got to invest in people and making a better society to have a better overall society, to have a more thriving economy, to save on health care, to save on justice. Uh, and it all works together. James Benham, uh, good luck on the campaign. Thank you very much. Thank Alan. you for your Absolute time. Pleasure really to be here. Really appreciate it. Thanks for chatting. We now have Grant Burr, the editor of the Carillon, on the phone from Steinbeck. Grant, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Al. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I think it's important that you know sometimes uh, you know we focus inside the perimeter, and and uh, while some of the issues are the same. What are uh, people talking about out in Steinbeck? Give us a sense of the election now that it's uh, official, the campaign. Well, sure. Like you say, I think that there are issues out there that are uh, that go from across the province. But uh, I think here in Steinbeck, I think people are, are generally pretty happy with their PC government. I mean, Kelvin Gertson was elected uh, in the last election after serving several years in opposition and uh, has been given a pretty high-profile role within the PC party, both as health minister and now as education minister. Um, so I think that generally here in Steinbeck, people are, are, are pleased with how the PC party has performed, focusing on uh, focusing on budgets and, and doing a lot of number crunching. And, and those are things that appeal to a lot of people out here. So I think, I think in their minds, things are going pretty well. Yeah, and you're right. Gertzen's obviously high profile. Even when he was in opposition, I think he did a good job of uh, of representing that area. I, I don't, you know, see any issues for him getting reelected out there. Is health care a big issue there? What are the people in Steinbach in that area uh, talking about as as far as issues are concerned? Because we're hearing too that you know crime. I'm surprised that crime's not higher on our our poll. And I'll give you the latest uh, polling at okay. cgob.com in just a moment, but. I know we're hearing about crime in, in these various smaller communities outside of Winnipeg as well. Is that an issue that's resonating in and around Steinbeck? 
I think it is, and I think that, you know, it, it, that ties in with health issues too. We talk about meth addiction and that sort of thing, and those can be uh, prevalent in, in rural Manitoba communities just as they can be in Winnipeg. You see a lot of um, issues with that even through the court system as well with folks that are having uh, serious challenges with drug addiction and, and how that filters out into the community through crime as well. So, I mean, that is an issue. That's a bit of a health issue too, and, and you talked about uh, whether health care is on the minds of people, and I think it is as well. Um, the PCs just announced today that they're uh, planning on investing $2 billion, and, I, and I, that, that had me thinking about Bethesda Hospital here in Steinbeck, and if that's going to uh, make some people think that maybe the Bethesda operating rooms need to get a, a refresh since they were built in the 1960s. And I know that's something that uh, Minister Gertzen talked about when he was in opposition. I don't know if he wants to talk a bit more about it now that he's in government, too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that $2 billion goes. Of course, we're hearing, uh, you know, part of that promise is a new ER uh, for St. Boniface. Um, so, right. yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, where the dollars uh, uh, flow. Um, when you're out there uh, in the uh, uh, Steinbach area, anything else uh, that people are, are talking about? Or are they looking at any of the other uh, parties seriously? We're going to be talking with the Green Leader James Bedham here right away after the 1 o'clock news. Uh, people are certainly caring more about the environment, and, and that's a party that... Uh, uh, focuses a lot on that. Same with Dougal Lamont and the Liberals of late. Yeah, uh, we haven't seen too much action from the from the Greens or the Liberals. Certainly not in the Steinbach constituency. Right. Currently, um, we have Kelvin um, running for the PCs, and we have a NDP candidate candidate as well. But uh, no Liberal or Green candidates have surfaced yet. So, uh, interestingly enough, we do have a Steinbach resident who's running for the Liberals, but she's running in Fort Rouge against Wab Canoe. So, uh, anyway, we'll wait and see who they who they maybe tap to run here. Right. Hey, Grant, thanks a lot for this. I really appreciate it. For sure. Okay, thanks for your time. Uh, let's uh, get on the phone here and head out to Brandon, Manitoba. Drew May is uh, with the Brandon Sun. Drew, good afternoon. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. We uh, checked in with the Steinbach area. We're going to be going to the Interlake in a bit, and I wanted to get you on uh, from Brandon. What are uh, some of the big issues out in Westman in this election campaign? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple. I mean, specifically to Brandon, there are a couple of big infrastructure projects that people are really looking at. Um, there's the 18th Street overpass, which connects uh, Brandon's downtown with the North End. And in the uh, most recent budget, the provincial government committed $70 million towards that. So that's on its way, but people are really kind of hoping uh, to get that going because it's a big piece of auto uh, infrastructure in the city. Um, but then also, Brandon's got two fairly sizable uh, post-secondary institutions, Cinnamon Community College uh, and uh, Brandon University. And with um, Cinnamon Community College, they're currently in the process of moving between the East End and, uh, again, in, into the North End. Uh, um, so they're looking for provincial dollars there to kind of complete that move. Um, and in terms of Westman, I mean, just like in Winnipeg, I think addictions are an issue everywhere. Um, Brandon is an urban center, but in the rural areas, um, it, it's still an issue. And that's something we've been hearing from a lot of pe- people as well. 
What about healthcare? We had the big announcement from Premier Pallister today, an extra $2 billion, new ER uh, at St. Boniface. Uh, uh, even though at CGOB.com right now, our question of the day, uh, healthcare is number two behind taxes. That still surprises me. It's a close number two, but healthcare, I think, is the big issue uh, in this campaign. What about mm-hmm. in, in Brandon? Is, is that something people are concerned about as well? Yeah, I would have to agree. I think across the province, um, you know, people are looking at the emergency room closures in Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, here in Westman, um, the province hasn't said anything about closing ERs. But when people see that news, uh, I think they get worried because in Brandon, there's only one hospital. So if the ER closed here, that would definitely be a really big thing. Um, and then, of course, with a lot of seniors, um, I think people are worried about about services and continuing to get uh, proper health care services as they get older and as they age. Is there change? You know, often when we have a government in power, in order for that government to be booted out, there has to be change in the air. Generally speaking, I don't sense that change, and the polling would back that up. What about out there? Is, is there frustration or, or angst amongst the voters out there, do you think? Well, I think um, you know Westman is fairly reliably blue. Um, of course, in the last election in, in Brandon East, that did change from NDP to PC. Um, and Brandon East specifically is—I think it's going to be a fight between uh, the PCs and the NDP. Um, in or in Brandon East, the NDP candidate Lonnie Patterson is quite strong, um, but she's also going up against Len Islefson, who who won the riding for the Tories uh, in, in the last election. Um, so I think that one. That one could be a, a, a real race to watch, but as for the rest of Westman, um, I, I don't know if it's going to be quite as competitive. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, talk about a couple of other issues. Again, they get quite a bit of attention, and I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear outside the perimeter, are the issues as big there, or maybe there's an issue bigger there and not as big here? What about uh, crime? And, and tie that into meth. Is the meth problem is, as bad there in, in Brandon, and is property crime and crime related to the meth crisis a problem? Yeah, crime for sure. Um, I think, you know, crime is how you know, maybe your average everyday person is affected by the meth, cri- the meth crisis. Um, there is a lot of property theft out here, especially around bikes. Um, and that seems to kind of fuel people, you know, buying drugs. Um, and, you know, that's definitely something people are worried about. There's a lot of petty crime. Um, I think that, uh, you know, people might, might be looking for a little bit more police funding to kind of, you know, clamp down on that and also kind of address some of the root causes as well. And before I let you go, um, Drew, any uh, articles, interesting articles that you've written for the Brandon Sun that you maybe want to share with us? Give us a sense of uh, maybe some things that are happening out there that uh, might interest everybody across the province and especially here in, in the city of Winnipeg. Any interesting stories out there you'd like to share with us? <laughs> for sure. Um, well, yesterday the Premier was in Brandon, um, and right. before his announcement on um, cutting the vehicle registration uh, fee, um, we had a chat with him, and he brought up um, a couple points about the NDP's relationship when they were in government with uh, the Insurance Brokers Association of Manitoba, um, and we're kind of seeing more and more come out about that, um, I think. Um, he's obviously received a lot of criticism himself, um, and he's kind of lobbing that back at them and saying, you know, they also had a cozy relationship with the insurance brokers when they were in power. Um, and, you know, maybe Wab Canoe and NDP don't have quite the same ground to stand on in terms of criticizing Pallister for his own relationship with them.
Right. Excellent. Hey, Drew, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, have a fun campaign. It's always fun for us. We get to watch and write about it and, and talk about it, and the, the politicians have to get nervous and, and worry about how they're going to finish, but it's it's fun for us people in this business. So thanks for telling us about uh, things out in Westman. For sure. Thanks for having me. All right. So Chris Adams, come on in here. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hi, Hal. I'm uh, quite humbled to be following uh, my pillow uh, endorsement by you. It is a very special spot, yes. I mean, when you think about it, my pillow just opened for you, Chris. Excellent, excellent. So I'll have to follow up on that. So, yes. Uh, hey, um, how are things at Porridge in Maine? I'll tell you what. As I said, the Premier uh, just made an appearance. It's been a great day today. I had uh, James Bedham on earlier. We had Wab Canoe on. We had Dougal Lamont on. We had them all on today. And I kind of wanted to put you at the end of the show here to kind of wrap up uh, at least my part of Decision 2019, Your Voice Matters, uh, here at CJOB. Let me first of all get your reaction to a couple of health care announcements today. Pallister says $2 billion extra for health care and two hours of free parking at hospitals from Wab Canoe. Your thoughts? Well, that's interesting. As, as you know, how the, uh, you know, there are two sectors that, that, that really uh, are of concern to middle-class Manitobans. One is health care, the other one's education. And so um, Wab Canoe has been really hammering away at, at the issue of health care, nurses, uh, the urgent care versus emergency care units. And uh, Pallister has been responding with promises. I, I, I think the the one on the parking, free parking, two-hour parking, boy, that really does, um, that's something that a lot of people are very conscious about, you know, bringing somebody into an emergency room or, or uh, visiting their relative who might be having surgery. Um, so, so anyway, it, it's a little bit of a gimmick, but I, I think it's something that will appeal to a lot of people. Well, I made the comment earlier that the two yeah. billion extra for healthcare from Pallister might not get yeah. as much attention as the free parking from WAB. Well, you know, as they say, all politics is local, and and it's hard to get your head around that kind of uh, that kind of money and and how it directly will affect the system. But at the same time, you you know what a sense of ten dollars out of your pocket for a quick visit to the hospital, um, how that feels. But you're right, you know, two billion bucks is a lot of money. And and uh, there's an American senator who once said, "A billion here, a billion there." Now we're talking real money. So I think in healthcare that would have an impact. You know, um, James Bedham, I, I chatted with him for uh, 10 minutes on my show after the one thirty News today. Uh, I, I was somewhat impressed with him. I, I thought he had a pretty good grasp of the issues. He had uh, answers that I think might make sense to, to a lot of voters. Listen, this might not be their election, but I think going forward, they're going to get more and more attention. Yeah, you know, he, he. I think this is his fourth election. He's uh, fairly experienced. He's a lawyer, so he's used to, you know, uh, uh, being, being uh, speaking, you know, in front of people. And also, he he surprised a lot of people at. Uh, I think it was the leadership debates. I think it was last election. So uh, um, it's. I think for the Green Party, the the tough thing is that he's running in the same constituency as Wab Canoe, and uh, that's a that's a tough road to hoe. And he would probably have a better chance in a in a riding such as uh, Wolseley. What do you make of this campaign? I know it's really early, uh, but do you think it's going to get, uh, what do you think? Has it been interesting? Is it going to get more, in, like, wh- where do you think things are going to go? 
You know, I, I, I have to say, as a political scientist, I'm troubled that, we, that we're having an election right now. And um, I think the spirit of the set date election was for next year. Uh, I've talked to Royce Coop and, and Paul Thomas and, and uh, a few other folks who are political scientists. And I, I think we've, we've been concerned about the timing. I think the second thing is that it's an extraordinarily short election. It's less than a month between the writ being dropped and the, and the voting day. And uh, um, as you know, lots of people are otherwise occupied in August, and they get back into uh, into their home town or their home city, and then their Labor Day, and then back to school uh, um, uh, energy, the, the the frenetic energy of, of uh, post Labor Day week. So, so I, I think that's a, a pro, that's a concern. Uh, I do know that Probe Research did a poll, and and uh, half of Manitobans weren't happy about the early election. This was back in June. But uh, very few voters said it would uh, affect their decision about who they would vote for. So I think that's good news for the progressive conservatives. Yeah, that's the sense I get, too. I think when we first learned that there was going to be an early election, some people voiced uh, their displeasure. But I don't get the sense in talking to people by text and by email and and over the phone and and out in public, I don't get the sense that it's really going to impact how they vote. Yeah, you know, it might have an impact on the volunteers, Hal. Uh, you know, if you're, you know, a lot of people who volunteer in politics, they do both at the provincial and the federal level, and they're going to be knocking on doors, and then uh, they got to do it all over again a couple of weeks later for the federal election, and uh, and people making donations as well, uh, uh, making two checks instead of one check for a campaign period, and so I think that'll have an impact as well. I got to ask you, Chris, while I've got you. Uh, the federal ethics watchdog. We haven't really talked about this on my show today because we're kind of focusing on on the election, but it's been in the news every half hour. The federal ethics watchdog says the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau violated the Conflict of Interest Act by improperly pressuring former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould to halt the criminal prosecution of SNC Lavalin. Bit of a bombshell. It is, and and uh, I, I think that issue was fading. Uh, it's you know you and I have spoken on the air about this as as uh, over a week or two, and and you know it was was a, a, a big issue, and in many ways it was fading, and uh, um, it doesn't help Justin Trudeau with with uh, a month and a half or two months uh, two months before the the next election, um, so it puts it back on the front burner for many voters. All right, Chris, thanks a lot. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Hal. Say hi to the Premier for me. I will, and we will talk soon, my friend. (laughs) Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.